Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolia's First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org. We've been walking with Jesus through the gospel of Mark and something interesting that he does, because the gospel of Mark is a fast-paced gospel. It, it runs very quickly from story to story, and as you read it, Jesus is basically, it appears like he's just breaking all these rules, and that's what kind of comes across, is that, that he's just going in and, and, you know, making everybody mad, at least the religious rulers, and he, uh, he eats with sinners, which they were not to do back then, according to their oral tradition, not according to the actual Old Testament. He would uh, refuse to fast, or he didn't fast, I should say, when the Pharisees would, and again, it was an added tradition you know, that they had put on it. And then he even healed on the Sabbath day, and they were to make the Sabbath day holy. And as Jesus went around, it's like he is just, again, breaking rules and putting it in the face of the religious leaders and teachers of the law. And he does this sort of mic drop that we talked about last week. He goes to them and, and he says this. He says, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people. You see, he had just healed someone on the Sabbath and then was criticized for healing, because he was supposed to be resting on the Sabbath day. And he says, the Sabbath day was made to meet the needs of the people, not the people to meet the needs or requirements of the Sabbath. And we talked about that last week, is that the rules were being more, more highly lifted up than God himself. In fact, if you read in the, in the scriptures, you'll see that, that the re religious leaders of the law, they actually had hundreds and hundreds of laws that they literally created and added to the law that was given to them by Moses. And so they would actually just spend time just, and, and they were righteous because of their acts. They're righteous because of what they did, at least that's what they believed, rather than resting in God and understanding the true meaning of the laws, the rules that God put in place. And God put these rules in place, if you summarize that, that the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath, is that the, the rules were made for the benefit of the people. The rules were made for the benefit of you and me. And I talked last week, I used the example that when you have a bunch of toys in your living room, you don't go to your spouse and say, we need more kids to play with all these toys. You know, the, the toys were made for the kids. The kids were not made for the toys. So you don't go grab more kids because you have too many toys. You just get rid of the toys, right? And and I thought of another one when you talk about rules being for the benefit of the people. Uh, years ago, my family, we went to uh, up north, visited friends uh, for Christmas, and we were upgraded to a, a Cadillac, uh, now I forgot what it was, a CTS, whatever the nice Cadillac is. And if, if you know Milt, if I get in a car that has extra buttons <laughs> that I've never seen before, 
I start pressing buttons because I like all that. It had a snow track. It had a heated steering wheel. I'd never had one of those before or seen one of those. It had sport mode. It had all these modes. We're actually in Canada. My friend is following me. And I had played with the buttons so much in the drive just from one place to the other that the car went into some sort of safety mode. And, uh, and I, to this day, don't know what it was, but the car wouldn't go over about 15, and we were on the highway. And uh, long story short, I just pull over, and uh, my friend Kelly, he goes, what happened? I go, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. And then I think it was my son that, that sold me out. He was playing with all the buttons and it just stopped, you know. And, and so my, my friend Kelly, he's, he's Canadian and they're kind of angry by nature is what I decided. But he got, he got, I'm joking, he got very mad at me. He's like, do you realize what would happen if we get stuck out? And we're literally in the middle of nowhere. And, and he's like, if your car breaks down out here in Houston, if you break your car, it's no big deal. You just walk somewhere here, you die. And I'm like... Okay, and I look around, and I'm like, yeah, I guess you're kind of right. And uh, long story short, I'd played with all these buttons, and, uh, and as a good old computer will do, we just killed the car, turned it back on, and everything it was good to go. But, uh, but all these features on that car were not made for me to just play with and randomly touch. and do. They were made for my benefit, and, and I abused them just punching them and using them for what they weren't for and, and having the rules of God are not set out to just make God feel like a big guy. The rules of God are because he loves you and me so much. And what I want to jump to is they go to another story. And so we're going to jump to Mark chapter 7. Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 7. And I want to walk through just verses 1 through 15. And you're going to see Jesus goes into this mode of breaking more rules. And then he's going to get to the very heart of what he wants out of me and you. And so everything else we've talked about was, was the rules and all that, but now we're going to get and we're going to see the real punchline of Jesus and what he wants out of us. Let's pray together. Father, I love you. I pray that you would, Father, just help me to communicate your word that would be pleasing to you. And again, Lord, remove my words. And Father, I pray that uh, it would be your words that are heard and not what I say. And Father, we just love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You're going to find as you read in Scripture, when Jesus was breaking the rules, when he would go into the, uh, for example, he went to the, the feast that was put on by sinners and caught so much criticism because he went to that dinner. And, but what you're going to find out is when Jesus breaks the rules, and this is what's important, when Jesus breaks the rules, and he's breaking man-made rules, I want to be clear about that, when he's breaking the man-made rules that we have put in place, the religious rules that maybe we were never intended to follow, something happens. And here's the check in your own life. And I'm going to give you again the punchline at the end. When Jesus walked in to the, the room of sinners, when Jesus healed on the Sabbath, when Jesus did these things that seemed like they were just rebellion, you need to watch the backstory of what happens when Jesus left. When Jesus walked into the room of sinners and he had dinner with them and everybody is scoffing on the outside, something amazing happened in that room. These were tax collectors, which of that day they were outcast because they had basically sold out for 
for money and, uh, and, and were extorting money with the permission of the government at that time. And, uh, and, and you can read up on these guys, but, but they, they were foul. And, so, and they would have these feasts because they had all this money, and the money was based on what they would extort from the people. And so the thought of Jesus going into that, that sinful area just disgusted some of the religious people. But when Jesus left after breaking the rules, he broke that up. You see, when Jesus left, if you read in the Scriptures, Many followed him and became disciples of Christ. When he left, he left a broken system of, of tax collectors that needed to be fixed. And we don't really get the story in Scripture, but that's the reality of what happened. Here you have these tax collectors that are making it happen for the government, and now they're following Jesus. And then you've got some left that are just left with, oh my goodness, this guy came in. He loved us. Some of our friends, they decided to follow him, and they were amazed at what he taught. Because when Jesus walked into that room, Jesus was Jesus. And Jesus had one message that Mark is trying to bang into our heads, and it's Mark 1.15, and it says this, The time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Jesus brought in his message and was telling them, the kingdom of God is here. Everything has changed. I am God. I am the Savior you have been waiting for. And now the rules that you are following to try and become righteous are not anymore what it's about. And he's saying, let me show you what's it about. And he says, it's about me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me, Jesus Christ. Mark chapter, seven, Mark chapter 7, read with me. Jesus is going to get to the absolute punchline at the end, and it's not going to surprise you what it is. And, and just in short, Jesus, th- this is kind of my favorite rule-breaking because Jesus is accused of not washing his hands properly. Now, granted, I was at Bucky's the other day, and a guy walked out and didn't wash his hands, and it just kind of freaks me out, just to be honest with you. I, I say at least give a fake. You know, just stand there, do something, and dry your hands and be good. But, but this was different. Jesus' hands were not dirty. He didn't follow the ritual that the Pharisees had discovered and made and made up and made it big and made it this big old deal. One day, some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law arrived at the Jerusalem to see Jesus. To give you context of this, they traveled about six or seven days. So they didn't just walk out of their house and go see this. They heard about Jesus, and they wanted to put a stop to this. And so they traveled almost a week by foot to go see Jesus. And it says they noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand washing before eating. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands as required by their ancient traditions. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is but one of the many traditions they have clung to, such as their ceremonial washings of cups, pitchers, and kettles. If you go to Israel to this day, my family and I have had the opportunity to go there, uh, you will see in the bathrooms that there is a station for these rituals to be followed unto this day. And, uh, and, and it's, it's quite a scene to watch, but, uh, but they're doing what they think is right, but they're following rules, and they missed long ago what Jesus is saying in the Scriptures. It said, so the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law asked him, 
Why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. And Jesus replied, You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. If you have the Bible that you write in or if you've got you version open, man, highlight that verse, and if you can circle the word heart, do that. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They follow rules, but their heart is far from the rules. Put it like this, if our heart's greatest desire is not to honor Christ and deny ourselves." then our religious practices are just a clever act. Verse 7 says, Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. It becomes legalism. It becomes arrogance. It becomes hypocrisy. And it's using what seems right for your own benefit. And so you literally become benefiting yourself from what Scripture is teaching and the rules that seem so right. Well, Jesus gives an example. He said this, verse 9. He said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. And, And listen to this example. This is phenomenal. For instance, he says, Moses gave you this law from God. Honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. And Jesus said, in this way, you let them disregard their needy parents. They found a workaround. Here, here they follow all these little rules and all these little things, but now they won't help their parents as Moses required in the law. Let me clarify what they did. What they would do, these Pharisees and the ones, they, they had accumulated wealth, and so they have the money to help their parents. But Jesus is pointing out that you have made a vow to God and you have vowed your wealth to God. And so it's like me going to God and say, God, everything in my bank account is yours. Everything I own is yours. But then, when, if my parents were in need, and my dad were to come and say to me, hey, we've lost everything, we can't eat today. And I stand back and say, man, pops, I would love to help you but I've given all my wealth to God, so I can't. Do you see the hypocrisy in that? There there was a deep hypocrisy in these people. And he he says this, verse 13, he said, so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example of many others. He says you cancel the word of God. You find this loophole in scripture where you think you can get around an act and he says you, you, you cancel the word of God. 
Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. He said, all of you listen and try to understand. And this is the big one, verse 15. It is not what goes into your body that defiles you. And at this point, he's talking about the dietary restrictions that they have added to and added to and added to. He goes, it's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. You're defiled by what comes from your heart. And so here is the ultimate test. We talk about the rules being the benefit for the people. We talk about Jesus breaking rules, and we get kind of curious about what he's doing. The ultimate check is where is your heart? The, the ultimate, you know, just absolute check in your life for every action that you would do, every decision you would make, is where is your heart? People who play games with God may fool people on the outside, but God knows what is in everyone's heart. I'd encourage you to read the rest of that chapter, 17 through 23, later and Jesus goes on to it, and, and he, he, he really gets into it. But I just want to stop and ask you three questions today. Three questions to examine your own heart. And then I want to give you a verse that maybe you've used before to examine your own heart. But three questions. Number one, do you ever try and figure out how close you can get to sin with actually, without actually sinning? Do you ever try and figure out how close you can get to sin without actually sinning? sinning? How close can I get to the line without making God mad? How close can I step over that to make God still okay with me? And, and it's like God has this invisible line that if I just don't cross over that, I'm good and I can rest in the grace of God. But what God would say, yes, my grace is sufficient for you, but where is your heart? If, if, if your heart is bad, then you have defiled and you are abusing my grace. You cancel the word of God. And so you can't say my grace is sufficient for you, but your heart is standing as close to the line of sin as you possibly, possibly can. If that's part of our life, and, and I think if we all dig deep, and myself included, we will find that, that there's areas where we're doing that. We're, we're just trying to find that end of the line. And we're hanging out on it, hanging out on it, hanging out on it. Secondly, do you truly love the lost and lovely or just the people who are like you and agree with you? There's someone in my backyard. Do you truly love the lost and unlovely or just the people who are like you and agree with you? You ever said to your spouse or someone, you know, that's a really nice guy. Think of someone you've said that about. And, and then examine what you really are saying about that person most often. What you're saying is, I really like that guy. He agrees with me every time. <laughs> Sometimes we have to love, always we have to love everyone. Do you truly love the lost and unlovely or just the people who are like you and like the things you do. And then third, is your heart focused on loving Jesus and advancing the gospel, or do you have a different set of values and agenda? 
A kingdom heart seeks to glorify God, not use God. A kingdom heart seeks to glorify God, not use God. So today, I just want to give you an examination of your heart. Where are you at? When, when, when you go to work, when you go to school, if you're a parent, if you're a son or daughter, whatever it is, where is your heart when it comes to the things of God? And I pray that your heart is pure. I pray that a king, you have a kingdom heart that seeks to glorify God and not use God. One of my favorite psalms, and I want to leave you with this. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 139. And towards the end, it's, it's got a, a, a long way to get here and read verses 1 through 23. But at the very end, there's something that I would encourage you to make a prayer. Make a prayer for you. Psalm 139, 23 and 24 says this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. You know, just a silly example. Ask God to examine your heart. If the worst thing you could do right now is walk outside and grab one of those compassion kits because you'd be embarrassed if you didn't. Like, that would be a heart issue. It'd be a pride issue. In fact, it'd be the worst thing you could do for that kid because it's going to take months for that to cycle back in if you don't actually act on it and, and, and sponsor uh, the child. But search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I want to close today and just ask that you would pray uh, that prayer. In fact, if you would, just bow your heads and close your eyes and just ask God that question right now. Don't let the day get by without examining your heart. Better than that, what I'm asking you to do and what God is challenging me to do is have God Search my heart. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Then verse 24 is so important. Point out anything in me that offends you. Allow God to speak. Allow God to challenge you. Allow God to reveal what maybe you've never seen in your heart before. And then just give that to him. As we close, I do want to encourage you to go look at the compassion packets. Um, if you'd like to talk about anything about your heart, if you'd like to take the next step in your spiritual journey, maybe it's spiritual membership or, or church membership, maybe it's uh, you've just never stepped across that line of faith and actually said, Jesus, I love you, take my life, then we would love uh, to speak with you. Uh, we've kind of added some tables outside as you walk out. And go forward. If, if you're new and you've, you kind of don't know what goes on around here, then uh, we'd love to get to know you a little bit. And uh, just walk straight out. And there's a table out there. My wife will be out there, and I'm going to join her uh, soon. And then we've got the compassion kit right as you walk out the door to your left. And then uh, we've also reopened the, the store that we had a while back. And uh, if you'd like to get a T-shirt or anything like that, that's there. But, uh, but most importantly, don't leave here without talking to, to me or to someone else just uh, about your life if you need to make a choice 
if you need to make a step in your spiritual journey. And I want to absolutely close and do this. Logan, come on up here. Um, many of you know Logan. He's been working in our student ministry and, and just on our staff for uh, many years. And he's become a dear friend. Well, he is heading out tomorrow morning, 4 a.m. What time? I hate to tell you, I think it's 4 so, yeah, buckle up. But, uh, and I think you're driving. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, he knew that. But uh, he's uh, going with uh, Pastor Jesse. Uh, if you don't know who Pastor Jesse is, I think most of you do. But uh, he, he's been on our staff for 20 years, and God has called him to go to New Mexico. Well, uh, Logan has made the choice to follow him. And we prayed over Jesse a couple weeks ago as uh, he's been up and back, back and forth. But uh, I want to pray over Logan today because today they're making that step at 4 a.m. in the morning, tomorrow, actually, so you know. And, uh, and they're, they're making the move where it It'll be, they'll be living there uh, for a bit, and, or for a long time. But, uh, but so kind of to find that permanent residency, find out what God has uh, in store for uh, RCC, the name of the church. And so I want us as a group to pray over Logan. So if you would, would you stand with me? And let's, uh, I'd like a few men to come and surround uh, Logan and uh, put your hands on him. And let's, uh, let's pray for him as he uh, follows God in this most important thing. Father, we, uh, we love you, and, and Father, we uh, support Logan, and, and Father, he's, he is following you to really an unknown. Father, to go pick up a camper, go live, find a place, Lord, and just to follow you, and I pray that you would just bless him. Father, give him encouragement along the way, and I pray that he would remember these hands that are upon him right now have, Lord, might be a distance, but, Father, are just a phone call away. And, Father, I pray that you would use him and, Father, uh, challenge him. And, Lord, I pray that you would expand his ministry and, and protect him, Lord. And, Father, we, we send him out, Father, from this church, Lord, just to, to preach your gospel. Father, to preach your gospel that the kingdom of God is here. That, Father, you have come back, you have raised from the dead, and that your Son has saved us from our sins, Lord. And that, Father, all we ask is that or from us, is that we repent and believe. And Father, I pray that you would give him that bold message. I pray he would never compromise, Lord, his actions. I pray he would go where people would challenge him and think that he shouldn't go in there. But Father, I pray that he would walk in there representing you and only you and that lives would be changed as a result. Lord, guard his heart and Father, guard our hearts, Lord. And we pray that you would just protect and use him mightily for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.